0: LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.
1: There's always imagery attached to this stuff, and I'd, I'd rather it be interesting than not.
0: Welcome to the Dreams of Consciousness podcast. If you'd be so kind, would you mind introducing yourself?
1: Hey, I'm Tommy Meehan. I play in several bands. Should I I get into that? Or are we just, you just want my name?
0: Sure. Tell people what they may know you from musically.
1: Yeah. Well, I've been working a lot on this band, Squid Pisser, over the last couple of years. And we're just starting to put stuff out. I play guitar in a band called Cancer Christ. I'm currently playing guitar for Guar, which I'm in Richmond, Virginia right now doing rehearsals, getting ready for this Canada tour we're doing in March. And I, I had a band for 10 years called The Manx, which was like this weird folk punk experimental accordion banjo monstrosity with a bunch of animator friends of mine that I met from doing music for Cartoon Network and I have a record label named sweat band records. So that's just kind of some of the stuff among other things. too. That's kind of some of the stuff that I, I I do and am involved with.
0: And I I think my audience would be interested to know that you also do soundtrack work for adult swim.
1: Yeah. Cartoon network, a little, a little bit of music snid bits for Rick and Morty, like the first season. And then I, I did dialogue editing for them. So that I think that might be the only adult swim thing, but I mean, cartoon network and adult swim, they're just, I guess they're the same company. Sure. But yeah, mostly kids, kids cartoons is what I've worked a lot on. Okay. Composition stuff. Yeah.
0: Okay. Dialogue editing and music composition.
1: Animatic editing, post editing, like a ton of different things. Yeah. just kind of, Animating, bunch of junk.
0: Cool, and hopefully we can we can speak about that a little bit. You you mentioned Squid Pisser, which is mostly what we're going to be focusing on today. Do do you have a, a description for Squid Pisser in terms of the kind of music that you make?
1: I was talking to somebody about this the other day. I kind of have trouble with like genres, or you know, I know a lot of people say that they don't like to label things or whatever, but I really do have trouble with that. I think partially because I'm so uneducated about a lot of different types of music. I kind of find bands that stick way far out of any kind of, you know, normal categorization. And, and those are the ones that kind of really speak to me. And those are the ones I gravitate towards. Those are the ones I'm kind of influenced by the most. So when people are like, you know, trying to tell me or ask me if I'm into grind core, for instance, I'm, I don't even quite know what that means. I mean, or, or, and I don't even know if I know what a DB is, but I've heard the term. So it's like, I kind of deliberately keep myself in the dark on things where I have in the past, or maybe it's not even deliberate. It's more of like, just how it comes to be. But so to, to put any labels on squid piss or I'll try, I guess it's like, it's just like bazzy and energetic and like a mashing of a bunch of noises and textures with as much aggression as I and while also trying to maintain some kind of like semblance of structure to, you know, service the idea of there being a song there without it just being random or things that don't repeat. So I don't know. That's the toity-toity answer to that question probably i don't know
0: <laughs> <laughs> i mean would you say squid pistol songs are mostly fast and maybe mostly short
1: yeah i guess that depends on your definition of both of those things i think they're <laughs> pretty they're longer than some bands songs and they're but they're pretty fast They're they're high energy i guess you know like and that's that's an itch I've been meaning to scratch for like 15 years, do, doing the, this band Squid Pisser, and I finally got around to doing it, and it feels really good. So, yeah.
0: Now, is is Squid Pisser still a duo, or did you guys expand the lineup? So, we have we're
1: playing live with five people now. It's two guitars, bass, drums, and myself on vocals, which is weird because I had never done that before until, I don't know, a few months ago, we started playing shows that way. It was Steph and I, the drummer, Steph Carolina. He plays in this band called Star Crawler. amazing dude, amazing drummer. But it was he and I kind of during, throughout COVID, we had found each other just before the pandemic. And I had all these demos, probably like, I don't know, 150 song ideas that I was desperately trying to find a drummer to start playing them, putting things together. But my difficulty is, or my challenge has always been finding a drummer that can like, you know, play fast and somewhat complicated things and people who are interested in that. and, And then people who had a good attitude too is like a whole other aspect. So finding Seth was very, you know, I was very fortunate to have found him. And yeah, we started putting stuff together were a two piece effectively, I guess, for, for a couple of years, but we never, we were just recording and trying to get all the songs together. And I knew that once they were coming out, then it'd be a lot easier to find people. And also I had kind of done this democratic method of starting bands and, and then them kind of like forming into, you know, the sum of all parts, And I wanted to kind of avoid that with this project. I wanted to really just like spell everything out, create a vernacular, create like, you know, an image and all of these different aspects.
0: Like a blueprint for the band.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Totally that. Yeah. Just like, cool. Here it is. If you like it, come help build it with me. And it's been working and I found some really great guys that I love and yeah, we are having a lot of fun. So we're setting up tours and stuff now and, we have releases scheduled. We're always working on new things, There's a bunch of demos in the works and stuff. So, yeah. So now it's a five piece.
0: I want to take a step back a little bit. When you say that you're not really familiar with what grindcore is or what a deep beat is, uh, what kind of music were you were you listening to growing up, and and what led you to the kind of music that you make now?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a whole you know journey, as with anybody's like musical journey and i guess not to cover every single era of my life starting from when i was seven when i first heard crisscross which i don't know if you're familiar with crisscross <laughs> you know <laughs> so that was like
0: the rap group right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. unfortunately
1: <laughs> right so that was like the first right yeah i still listen to that album it's it's great it's fun that was like my first cassette tape but
0: wasn't their whole thing that they they wore their jeans backwards or something
1: yeah. All their clothes backwards, their basketball jerseys and stuff. And you know, from, I don't know how old I was like nine or something. So it was like accessible,
0: right, yeah.
1: digestible for me at that time. And yeah, so that's kind of like, was the first music I had heard. We didn't grow up with music in my house. It was baseball on the radio from my dad. And then I don't know why nobody really was into music. And so it took me kind of like, you know, venturing off and discovering stuff on my own kind of a lot later. I feel like than a lot of kids, which I'm, I have like, a, you know, I'm envious of people whose dads introduced them to like the Beatles or Led Zeppelin or something. Cause those, both of those bands and discographies mean nothing to me, but one day I feel like I'll go and appreciate them. Although I've tried over the years, but I'm going all over the place. But like, Yeah. I don't know. Like, so I think what influenced me first was like art and cartoons and like horror movies. I'm talking like when I was like six years old, I saw like child's play and Chucky and stuff. And I think the the visceral nature of like some of the kill scenes or just the creepy aspects of those movies. And those are the things that kind of like got into my, I don't know, my bones and made me want to make stuff and those are the things that made me appreciate art so you know that kind of like carried on to when i started getting into bands like you know marilyn manson when i was in sixth grade or something anti christ superstar had come out and it's just like whoa this is like you know the ultimate weird bizarre stuff that i can find and then from there it kind of everything followed suit in terms of just like oh what's the weirdest thing I can find on, even if it's on the opposite end of the spectrum, even if it's silly, something like Mr. Bungle, or this band, Nuclear Rabbit, from my hometown. It's like flat bass, kind of circus music. And then from there, it was like Buckethead. I'm just kind of like hitting the big influences. And then Guar.
0: What was a band that you heard early on that made you think, or maybe not even a band, maybe just a style of music that made you think oh, this is something I want to do. I I want to pursue making music. I want to pick up a guitar and start writing songs.
1: I think it was Green Day's Dookie. You know, that was like the, I was probably eight or something. And every kid had that. And, and then it was that. And then I got Silverchair's Frog Stomp. Do you remember Silverchair?
0: I do. (laughs) I actually just got a press release from somebody who, uh, who compared the album that they put out to *The Silver Chair*? Oh. And I remember thinking, "I'm not sure. I'm not sure you're going to sell many records that way." Oh man, they get such a bad
1: rap. Like they're amazing. That that last album from 2007 is called *Young Modern*. And you sh- have you heard that?
0: I have not heard anything since I was, I don't know, like 13 years old or something like that.
1: Right. Yeah, because they kind of like got pigeonholed as like this Nirvana clone grunge ripoff thing but like
0: well I mean in, in fairness in fairness a lot of the marketing was a the lead singer kind of looked like Kurt Cobain because he had long blonde hair mm-hmm. and be are extremely young like I think they're still in high school when yeah they put out that first album exactly and so a lot of the marketing kind of backfired you know it may have sold a lot of records a lot of copies of that first album but in the long term it probably hurt them in terms of people taking them seriously as a band
1: yeah yeah that's, I think, exactly right. But I think they've been widely appreciated in Australia, where they're from. I think just the states kind of like aren't even aware that they went on to make amazing albums, which I think are amazing. So, but yeah,
0: they weren't Hanson, right? Which was kind of what, right? The they wrote their own MTV shit, and yeah, the, yeah, what, the the label and the uh, what MTV was trying to trying to market them as like these this teeny bopper grunge band. And I think, you know, maybe the best thing that their parents could have done for them would have been like, you know, don't sign any contracts until you're 18.
1: Maybe so. Yeah. Because those guys, I don't know if it's tragic, but like, you know, the singer, like, you know, he, he was like a superstar, at a very young age and, and the drummer and the bass player, I just read a book that the drummer and the bass player put out and they're like estranged from the singer, Daniel Johns. And, yeah, there's like, it's tough on everybody, it feels like. But, you know, they also had amazing experiences. And so I don't know who's to say what should have taken place and not. But, but yeah, seeing them doing doing it Sorry, at such just, a young just, age, I was like, just,
0: just as no as silver one,
1: chair tangents. This, yeah, yeah. yeah let's no, go. Uh,
0: of, of the many strange places that the Seth Metal podcast goes, I never thought we'd have a discussion about silver chair in which I, oh, I express <laughs> empathy and uh, regret over what happened to silver chair. I yeah, go on. More
1: people need to know. Yeah. No, we, we need to spread awareness. But they're awesome. And you know, when I was ten or whatever or eleven, I was like, oh shit, these guys are like just a little bit older than me. And it was just super inspiring. And I think whenever you see like people that aren't like, I don't know, already big mega rock stars or or people who live in LA or this or this unattainable place, you see people are from someplace like, like a town, like your own, it's been very like inspiring You're like shit. Oh, I can do that. Or local bands from my hometown. Like we had this place called the Phoenix theater in Petaluma, California, in the Bay area. And like Metallica played there. It's this tiny theater, but like Devo Metallica, AFI would play there. I would go see guar there all the time. And then I also would play there, like with my own band. So it was just like, it's like, Oh shit. I can do it, you know, I'm like, I'm playing the same stage as like my favorite artist.
0: I guess we'll we'll speak about this a little bit more when we speak about squid Pisser and your live performances but it is interesting to me that early on the visual element of horror movies and you know bands like Marilyn Manson and Guar made a big impression on you and there's a, a strong visual element in a lot of the music you make now as well
1: yeah i was talking to somebody about this the other day like here's a blank canvas to pair with the music that you're making and if you're if you're going to decide not to like embrace utilizing that canvas and and filling it with stuff like it just some people say like oh it's all about the music or like you know the music should be enough or whatever it is it's like I just see it I think I feel like it's a wasted opportunity because
0: I mean because I I, I grew up and and lived through that that 90s anti-image era do you know what I mean like the alternative scene and the
1: right yeah
0: the punk rock scene even the metal scene too to a certain extent. And the funny thing about that is the anti image image was just as much of an image as
1: yeah, totally
0: putting on platform boots and, you know, wearing a, a leather vest or whatever. And it, it was refreshing, I have to say, when, you know, seeing a band like the Locust or seeing a band like, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to think of a good example, but it, well, maybe black metal was, was a good example that where they were like, you know, we don't care what anybody thinks we're going to dress like this because this fits our, this fits our music and you know like i i don't know if i necessarily care about a band's image so much as as i do about their their songwriting but you know i do appreciate a band that that puts some thought into the visual aspect of the live performance even if it's neurosis having a a video backdrop while they're you know nodding furiously to their their slow doomy songs
1: yeah yeah it seems to me just as important and because when i when i listen to the music my brain and maybe it's just, I'm a visual thinking person. Maybe other people aren't this way, but like when I'm listening to the songs of a band that I love or whatever, I I'm it's conjuring the images that I've seen, even if it's from a music video, I've only seen once or whatever. It's like, there's always imagery attached to this stuff. And I, I'd rather it be interesting than not, or just dudes in a t-shirt, which is fine too. You know, and some people, some bands it's fine but I feel like why not? And I've always wanted to, and I've had trouble convincing band members in the past, like of doing just dressing up and doing fun things basically. Cause people are either, you know, self-conscious or embarrassed or whatever it might be. Or so, yeah, with squid pisser, I really wanted to like set it up and be like, cool. This is what it is, guys. If you like it, come play with me. If not, then go find, you know, go do something that you'd, go do something else. (laughs) But yeah.
0: And so was the visual element of, of Squid Pisser present as, as you were coming up with the music? I should mention that you guys play in these, these masks. I don't know if there's a, a larger concept behind if they're characters that you guys are playing, like War have characters.
1: Right. The, the idea to do some kind of cool masks just was always, you know, the goal one day, and we had kind of done some things like that with the Manx and dressed up, whether it was for videos or like one-off shows and stuff. But yeah, it was good. It's right. It's something I always like really wanted to dive into. In it. And then I met a friend out here in LA who's from Richmond, Virginia, actually Aris Deo and Aris sculpts and draws and directs videos and does all kinds of stuff. And they are just an amazing artist and person in general. And we teamed up on, these these masks and stuff and like um, they came out really great we we kind of just collaborated back and forth with like sketches and stuff and but you know to answer your question about whether or not squid Pisser is like has this concept behind it 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 currently i think can just kind of all be found in the lyrics and stuff like there's not really any statements or lore or anything overtly clearly spelled out for anybody and that's just kind of the way we're keeping it for right now and we'll see what happens i think
0: okay why those specific masks that your your friend made for you they seem to kind of like why the squids basically
1: yeah yeah i mean they're not even squids specifically like i don't know that's just it kind of like encapsulated the feeling and the image and i thought they just paired well together and they're kind of like constantly evolving or these ones are kind of devolving like the 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 masks are kind of like breaking down rapidly as we're playing shows and stuff so who knows what we're going to do in the future if we're going to do different ones but as much as i also say like it's it's just as important it's like there's not much even like i have to say about them other than just like this is what they are it's it helps us present bring you to a different place vibe wise when you're when you're watching us play than if we didn't have them on and that's kind of the goal is to whisk people away to another place for half an hour with this soundtrack and these creepy characters on stage. And just hope you can kind of feel like you're in a horror movie of sorts. So, so that's kind of the the idea.
0: Okay. So with Squid Pisser and with the music that you write for Cartoon Network, what is the process for you when you, when you sit down to write music?
1: Yeah, I have a lot of different kind of, ways to get going with little seeds of pieces. And it really just depends on what's being asked of me or what I'm asking of myself. And so like for something like an episode of a cartoon or something where there's, you know, I'll I'll sit with the show creator and we'll do what's called a spotting session and we'll find the places in the episode. It's usually an 11 minute episode that I was working on. And we're like, cool, we want music here, 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 here. And it's like, you know, 15, 20, 30 different cues, something like that. And if it depends on what's going on, if there's like a country band playing in the episode, if there's a dude, yeah, playing guitar, or if it's a horror episode, or if it's a comedy, or in general, a lot of times there's all of that, sometimes in one episode. And a lot of those styles i wasn't familiar with before having to sit down and being asked to turn it in in a week and so i i'll start with all kinds of different like approaches whether it's a lot of it is with using software instruments and plugins and i have like so many different instruments that i use in logic and through contact which is like a sampler plugin And sometimes I'll start with a drum beat. A lot of times I'll map out a tempo, especially if it's like kind of a score to picture piece where there's like action or chase or something. And I'll I'll just kind of like map everything out with a tempo and have my markers that I want to hit. And in terms of beats, and then that'll give me like a good kind of structure or bones. And then, then I'll kind of fill things in whether it's with like drums first and you know, that'll be the rock drums or like, orchestral sounding stuff or like African percussion, whatever it is. And, and then I'll usually add a bass. I'll kind of build up from the, from the ground up with rhythm, bass, and then melodies and chords and stuff. But, but again, like there's a million ways that I would like approach something. Sometimes it's just a piano. I like writing with a piano because it's very just, you're only focused on the melody and harmony, really, and and there's not all these like timbers kind of getting in your way of like it's it's just one sound. So I like writing that way, and then you can go and like augment that once you've created all the harmonies and stuff.
0: I mean, pianos and keyboards are are so flexible in terms of like you can be very sparse and very uh, very minimalistic, or you can be you know big and, and orchestral. You can be very melodic. Or you can be like very percussive and just hit a chord over and over and over again.
1: Yeah, exactly. They're so versatile, and that's a great way to like compose music. I see why so many people do it. And I've begun doing that more and more as I've gotten older.
0: It, it seems like the the interest you had in, in bands like Mr. Bungle and Nuclear Rabbit, who were very eclectic and you know genre fluid, is is a term that I heard recently that I like, mm-hmm. um, but weren't you know stuck in one style or another. Uh, Became very, very useful for you when you started making music for soundtracks and things like that because you can you can switch back and forth between different styles easily
1: Yeah, 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 very true and Yeah, and listening to stuff from different genres, you know, I mean, but a lot of times like if I'm asked again to like score something I'll be it'll be that day where I'm like, okay, I have to really like find do my homework in a short amount of time, in a couple hours or something, like listen to a bunch of whatever style it is. And sometimes I'm not familiar with it at all. Like I had to cover, not cover, but like do a version of a Dolly Parton song one time and like, okay, what what about this? Like makes it signature Dolly Parton sounding, you know? Yeah. So it's an interesting, challenge, challenging process, but it's super rewarding when you're, or sometimes you, you fucking blow it and you're like, man, well, that's, that's what you're getting. Cause the deadlines right now. So I wish I could have done that better. You know, that that's happened a couple of times. And, but that's all like a learning part of the learning process. And most of the time it's just myself being disappointed and not, not anybody else. Usually it's good enough. It's just, I wish I could have done it better, but yeah.
0: Well, by comparison though, Squid Pisser does seem to be specific to like if, if somebody told me this is a squid pisser song I, I know what to expect do you know what i mean right in terms of like the manic and the uh, uh the aggressiveness of the music when, when you sit down to write a squid pisser song do you have a do you have a, a process that you stick to
1: it's funny because i only really sat down to write squid pisser songs one time <laughs> over the course of like yeah over the course of like three or four months kind okay. of where I just really went into like a furious writing mode. And, and I took many different approaches. Sometimes it would just be programming odd drum beats on my computer. And sometimes it would be like taking a keyboard, but something like a, I have a Moog matriarch and, and just having it kind of set to very noisy sounds, not really anything tonal and i would just come up with interesting sounding riffs and or, or ideas like rhythms or whatever and and kind of start from there or i'd do the same thing with my guitar i'd, I'd get very like ring mod centric and where there's not really like a tonal center but i'll write an entire song with it and it has different parts and everything and then i'll reverse engineer then i'll add a baseline. or like. I was with john clarty recording he's from terra malos and he recorded three squid history songs we were in the studio tracking two songs that i had demoed and then we had extra time so we're like let's just like improv some stuff john and he just like went off for i don't know like half an hour or something and i ended up taking that cutting it mostly i think it was all complete but we turned that into a song called vibe monster which we got our friend joey Karam from the Locust to do vocals on and so they've all been different you know that one started with the drums and a lot of them start with guitar though yeah that is kind of like because I'm like a guitar player I guess first but I try all kinds of different things but it's been a while since I've really actually like done a furious kind of writing session for Squid Pisser I have a bunch of more demos that I did do recently, but I don't know. We'll see. I think it's going to be different every time, which is exciting.
0: So are all the songs that were, that will be released on the EP and that were released on that first album from that, that first session?
1: Yeah, exactly. So my Tadpole Legion, this EP, Vaporize the Neighbor, and then we have an album of full length. I think it has 12 songs on it. It's called Dreams of Puke that's coming out on skin graft and sweatband records. Those are all recorded at the same time for the most part, minus a few with John Clardy, but very, very close to the other sessions. So, yeah. And we've basically just been trying to figure out ways to release them. And that whole process is stupid. A lot of times just like trying to get everything together and getting art and f- talking to people to try and figure out, how we're going to release things and spacing things out. And so, yeah, but that's where we're at with it.
0: So in a few weeks, you'll be releasing both an EP and a CD through Skingraft Records and through your own label, right? Sweatband Records? Yeah. Yeah. And so the EP is called Vaporize a Neighbor, and the CD is called Vaporize a Tadpole, which will compile both the EP and your first album, My Tadpole Legion, as well as some unreleased tracks that you, you recorded. Let's start with the EP, and along with the EP, there's going to be... A comic book. Can you tell me a little bit about that comic?
1: Yeah. The comic was Mark's idea. Mark runs and operates Graft. And I just... Yeah, he mentioned like when, when Skimgraft has historically kind of done a lot of comics with their 7-inch releases. And so he had pitched maybe having Squid Squidpist do that. And I like through animation and things just happened to know a bunch of comic book artists. And I'm friends with a lot of people who do art. So it, it made a lot of sense to put that together. And it was really easy an easy process and usually commissioning art from people, not you, usually necessarily, but oftentimes it can be frustrating or, or like pulling teeth to some degree in terms of people, You know, not hitting deadlines or just kind of keeping hanging for a long time, at least in my experience, it had been in the past, but this was like, I forget how many artists like 10 or something and everyone just kind of like hit the deadline. So that that was what I was most concerned with, but everyone did it and um, we got some really cool people and I'm really excited to see them. I think Mark's going to be shipping those out to me. I should be getting, well, I'm not going to be in town when they arrive, but they should be showing up to my place in Los Angeles. I feel like in the next couple of weeks.
0: So we we spoke about the, the blueprint for a Squid Pisser and the concept that you have for the squids. Does this comic flesh that concept out? Like is this a story about the Squid Pissers?
1: It's more like vignettes. There's not much of a like story arc and extended idea or anything. It's more of just kind of like these are the scenarios that the squid boys find themselves in and i think it's mostly all the little stories are centered on seth and i for the most part i think just to because that's it was just seth and i making this music and so we're kind of focusing on just the two of us for the first few releases but yeah no, there's not you all just have to check it out i suppose (laughs) but okay it was really fun to do and yeah
0: did you come up with the stories or, or the scripts for the comics for the for the vignettes before you sent them out to the artists
1: A few of them I had just to kind of like set some parameters for some people. So people didn't necessarily have to feel like, cause I know how it is. I feel like being asked to do something. And then if, if, if your sandbox is like too big, sometimes you want parameters. You just want like, okay, this is what it is. Got it. And so I, I gave some story ideas to some people and some people took those and just kind of illustrated my ideas and and then some people just went off and did their own things and funnily enough though a lot of people who did their own thing with it it's very on brand people kind of i feel like get what it is somehow intuitively
0: i mean you you mentioned knowing a lot of artists from your your work with cartoon network were these artists that you've worked with before
1: yeah a lot of them mike chilian did like a four panel or four pages in there, he and I worked on this show called Uncle Grandpa together. We worked on Rick and Morty together. He he sold a show for the cartoon network called Tig and Seek that I worked on. And we've done a bunch of stuff. He and I made a guar cartoon together like 13 years ago or something like that. And so I was so stoked when he said he had time to do one. And yeah, Johnny Ryan, I don't know if you're familiar. He and I worked together on Looney Tunes, Looney Tunes cartoons at Warner Brothers and he's like a prolific madman and it was, it's just always cool, you know, seeing what he does with things and we had worked together before on something, a few things and yeah, yeah, it was, it was really fun and easy and I'm super stoked on how it's turned out and I hope people buy them all <laughs> and appreciate it. <them. laughs> You know
0: is is the comic limited
1: there are 500 okay yeah it's 500 and five of the five of them got damaged in shipping so it's 495 it's something something like that is what I had heard but yeah I'm not sure if we're gonna do another run of the comics we'll see
0: do you have your own home recording setup do you record everything yourself
1: so I have like a very small studio it's like I don't know the size of like three closets three kind of like three like coat closets or something, but, but I have enough for like a desk and an amp and like some rack gear and stuff. It's and a TV that it just keeps me company. Yeah. I can't do drums in there, but I've done drums. I'll do drums at other studios and then bring those into my home studio and then do all the guitar, bass and vocals, keys and everything else. I'll track in my place in Los Angeles. And I'm starting to think around with the idea of bringing other bands in as well. And I'm talking to my friend, Shimon Cassette, he has a uh, several projects. And so we're talking about maybe getting together and doing something. So that would be the first band or, or other musician really that I've had in there aside from the projects that I've done, but yeah, it'd be fun.
0: Is there a studio that you'd like to go to, to record the drums?
1: Yeah, there's a there's this place downtown in downtown Los Angeles called Seahorse Sound. My buddy Cameron Acosta engineers me whenever I'm there. I think I've always worked with him. So we got drums for Cancer Christ. This Cancer Christ every I think every almost every Cancer Christ release we've done there, quid pisser. And there's another place called the Bunker in Atwater Village and This really great guy, Jason Schimmel works out of there and and that's where we did some drum sessions with John Clardy and those came out really good. I think he ran those through tape machine and they ended up sounding really awesome. Yeah. And then, Oh, and then Toshi Kasai, another pal producer engineer. He, he works with the Melvins a lot and a bunch of my friends, Kui, Callie Kazoo, The Manx has recorded albums up there in Sun Valley with him. And he has a really cool studio, Sound of Sirens Studios. And yeah, he's he's great. So those are kind of like the main ones that I'll go to, aside from recording at home.
0: Did you handle the mixing and mastering yourself?
1: For some of the Cancer Christ stuff, I had mixed and mastered myself. I like to get somebody else's ears on things after I've been sitting with it for so long. So like our buddy Rolly had mixed our Cancer Christ record that came out earlier this year, God is Violence, and that came out really great. And we we went to West West Side.
0: Is, is this Rolly from the band Teeth?
1: Is he in Teeth? I know he's playing with Graf Orlock. I feel like he's probably in Teeth. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. He and I still haven't met in person. We keep talking about getting together. A, I think so. But he did a great job. And then for my Tidepole Legion, we had Kurt Ballou of Converge and God City. Mixed those came out amazing. I I was really pleased with that. And then Steve Evits, who's worked with a billion bands.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know how many how many albums I have that have Steve Evits' name on them. Yeah, right. Sepultura, turmoil, like all these great albums from the nineties.
1: Dude, yeah. All over the place. Yeah, he's amazing. He was really great to work with too. So he did Vaporize a Neighbor and the upcoming Dreams of Puke, which I don't even think we haven't even announced that yet, but soon. But yeah, these are like dream come true guys to work with. And I was really lucky to have been able to kind of corner them and ask them to work on some of my stuff. It's been awesome.
0: So We actually didn't talk about some of the the collaborators that you've had over the years who who were on my tadpole legion the first album do do you want to say who some of your your guests were who contributed vocals and other things
1: oh yeah so i guess i can go in order let me look yeah megan o'neill so when seth and i first started playing together we had kind of talked about our pie in the sky vocalists that we'd want to get to be in the band or people would like the vocals to sound like, you know, and Megan from punch was one of the first ones that we had talked about. And, and then it just so happened that our, our really good friend, Mike Manischewitz, who we work with on music videos and mostly music videos. I mean, he and I are close friends. We go surfing and stuff and known each other for a long time, but he, he, He went to prom, I think it was, with Megan. And so we were like, what the fuck? That's insane. Do you think you could ask her if she'd be down to throw vocals on this? So she came over to my studio one day, and I had like vegan donuts or something for her. And yeah, we spent a whole day just tracking. And we've become closer every time we're in the same city. We end up seeing each other now. And she's great. She's playing in King Woman, another cool band and so that was a cool one and then arrow from starcrawler death you know is in starcrawler as well so that was another perfect kind of pairing i think with this crucifix cover that we had done marching for trash so her voice really lended itself well to that it's just super snotty and sassy and just slimy kind of it was <laughs> that was a fun one yeah, that was great, Nikki from Necrogoblicon. Yeah, Nikki, I, I've been friends with Necrogoblicon for a long time. The Manx, my old band, used to play with them. Alex, their guitar player, is now our manager for Squid Pisser, and and so yeah, Nikki was always kind of like peripherally, you know, we'd see each other at shows and things like that. And teaming up with him was insane. He's a madman and a genius. I feel like. And then Yakko, that was a John Clardy, Yakko from Melt Banana. John had toured with Melt Banana, with Terramelos. And then I was like set to tour with Melt Banana with my band Deaf Club at the time. And so like, there's just, I think kind of lined up perfectly with that. We have Zane Drayton of Wacko and New God. He's prolific and fucking just like gut-wrenchingly honest and brutal with his lyrics and his deliveries. And that one was really fun too. He came over and we spent a whole day doing that. And then Joey from the locust, how did I even, I don't even know. How did he, I was playing in a band with Justin from the locust, maybe that was that, and he's amazing totally his deliveries like weren't really what i expected but in an amazing way and so that was came out really great and then saint anthony from my other band cancer christ and he had never been in a band before and he was just like he's this fucking crazy ball of energy and i'm actually yeah so i'm in richmond right now like getting ready to go on tour with the guar guys and cancer christ was just on tour with guar in october and we were just talking about and laughing about all the times that Anthony almost got us kicked off of that door (laughs) because he's just insane. I don't know. uh, There's, yeah, he brought a flamethrower and like all this shit. It's just, there's too many crazy stories, but um, (laughs) yeah, he's fucking insane. And, and so we, we did this cover of this band called anti Chris and the raped and it was called fuck your sister, but we changed it to fuck your preacher. And, so that one came, that Working with Anthony is just really easy. So that was great. And then, and then we had a remix by DJ Petit Petitsack. And he and I have known each other for over 25 years or something like that. My old band, the Broccoli Tacos used to play shows with, with him. He's like this fucking weird, anonymous noise artist guy. And he gets really into theatrics and there's like people planted in the audience that will then kind of (laughs) become involved in the show. And, and people are like eating cyanide capsules and foaming at the mouth and then everyone dies. And it's, it's hard to describe it as something to behold. And so he just like, is a kind of a noise, a sound deconstructionist. And he really fucked up one of our songs and it sounds great. And I love the kind of polarizing response that people have to that track being on there some people you know get its statement of it being kind of like anti-music and some people just think it's static <laughs> yeah that that's kind of the rundown of of the collaborators on that album
0: So as an engineer, and this isn't specific to Anthony or any of the other guest vocalists that you you mentioned, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to get that, that live energy that the energy that a vocalist brings live to the studio, because, you know, the mic is somewhat unforgiving about performances. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. As an engineer, do you have a, a method or, or philosophy in terms of capturing vocal performances?
1: Yeah. I feel like everyone leaves my studio with a headache after they've been doing vocals (laughs) because it's just like, and maybe that's just, maybe we're all cut from the same cloth. I think everyone that I, everyone that I'm working with right now, like knows the intensity that I'm going after and, and, and I'm attracted to them initially because they bring that intensity in their own projects, I think. So like, I think we all kind of get it. And, you know people put their body into things for me to try and rile people up if they're not giving enough like i'll use my arms a lot like and i'll just kind of like really kind of conduct in that in that way and you know you're doing invisible oranges at people you're fucking making faces (laughs) anything you can and
0: i forget who i was talking to I i was speaking to somebody recently who said that uh the engineer was like hitting them with a stick or something to like oh shit get a better performance out of them (laughs)
1: that's great that sounds familiar yeah i've heard people like throwing bottles at people and stuff like that maybe like ross robinson or something with Slipknots and crazy stories or something (laughs) yeah i love that stuff man yeah because like being in the studio it's such a fucking ritual you're capturing or it's like ritualistic you're capturing this thing the whole thing is to capture this magic and like if it's not a memorable experience like what are you actually doing it's like when you want to listen back on on something you recorded it's like there should be something there of note you know yeah
0: well, well some vocalists freeze up oh yeah i mean you know they're, they're fine they're fine in front of an audience and they're fine in, in the rehearsal space but then once they're isolated and it's just them you know with the cans on in front of the mic like you don't you don't really get the same the same thing out of them
1: yeah you're right I've played in bands with some people that really do freeze up when the red light's on. And it's so interesting. Like where if it's not on, they'll play it perfectly. And then you're okay. We're doing a take and there's some weird psychology there. It's, it's bizarre. I mean, yeah, I can relate though in certain ways, not, not recording so much, but like in other instances, in more recent instances, like I've been playing with guar, these last few days and like I'm getting over the kind of initial jitters of that because <laughs> like they've been my favorite band since I was a teenager and but I need to remember I literally need to remember to breathe sometimes when I'm playing so- these songs that I've been listening to forever with them in the room with me so I, I can understand where you know that comes from at least with people
0: so the four song EP Vaporize a Neighbor and the compilation CD, Vaporize a Tadpole, will both be out through graft Records and Sweatband Records on March 8th. Tommy, can you tell people how to order the album and the EP? What's the best way to get them?
1: Yeah, so there are links at sweatbandrecords.com, and and then you can go to Skin Graft Records. They have a, a band camp where you can order stuff, and those are the best best places to get Squid Pisser records and t-shirts and things like that. Yeah, that's that's about that. That's about it.
0: Do you want to say anything about the the vinyl version?
1: Of the Vaporizer Neighbor? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm just super excited for it to... I'm excited to hold one. I'm excited for people to see him. The comic comes with a 24-page comic, and so, you know, it's not just a record. It's a little piece of art. And a lot of people were involved in that. And, and that's like one of my favorite things to do too, is just like, it, it makes it more special when there's like a collaborative kind of camaraderie slash mashing of worlds. And so I'm, I'm just excited to have so many cool people all involved with it.
0: And if people want to follow Squid Pisser or Swipe Band Records online, or even your own personal projects and the stuff that you're doing with Cartoon Network, what's the best way to, to, to get all that info?
1: Yeah. So, um, I have a website called sweatbandrecords.com. I also have a professional website called castlebarf.com and you can kind of check out a bunch of film and TV stuff that I do record label stuff. Just, it's kind of like a summary of everything. Like if I die tomorrow, this will be, at least I have this and that's my legacy. So, and Oh, and Instagram. You can find me on Instagram, Tommy Meehan Official, and Squid Pisser, Cancer Christ, Sweatband Records. And yeah. That's about it.
0: I mean, there are a number of videos for for Squid Pisser. Do you want to say anything about the, the videos and, and where people can, can watch them?
1: Oh yeah. Good point. Um so yeah, Squid Pisser is very video centric. One of it's just a fun thing to do and teaming up again. Mike Manashevitz, blockbustervideo.org is his website. If you need a music video, that guy's amazing and I love working with like him. He's hilarious. And Dylan Vaughn is directing a video right now for a song coming off of Dreams of Puke. My buddy Dylan, he's done stuff with Skeletal Remains. He's done a lot of music videos and he's an amazing cinematographer and creative in general. We got all kinds of people. Juicy Jaden on Instagram did this video for my Tadpole Legion with Mel, uh, Yako of melt banana. And that's like this crazy, like bizarro animation style. And, um, that came out really great. We got Gilbert Trejo who, uh, directed the video for marching for trash with arrow. And that came out really great. Gilbert is the son of his dad's name. Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo, <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, for Machete, legend, yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. I'm try- I'm just looking through the videos now, seeing what else. I think that's kind of it right now.
0: Does, does squid Pister have its own YouTube page, or is it on the label YouTube page?
1: A lot of videos are going to be either on Sweatband's YouTube page or 31G. My title, "Legion," came out on 31G Records, and but yeah, we should probably get our own page. I don't know. I don't know how stuff like that works. But yeah, sweatband. I put everything on sweatband for the most part. And we'll have... We have like four more videos in the can that are slated to come out pretty soon. So be on the lookout for four new videos over the course of the next few months. Um, and then we'll be working on more kind of all the time. Perpetually.
0: And as you mentioned, you're you're getting ready to tour with Guar. Uh, this episode will be coming out relatively soon. So do you want to tell people where they can catch you on, uh, with Guar or maybe when some of your other projects may be going on tour?
1: Yeah. Guar, we're doing a, um, uh, Canada and I guess we're skipping back and forth between Canada and the U S from the East coast to the West coast all throughout March. And I don't even know. It's tough to, there's a lot of places I don't know of because they're in Canada. so I guess I'll get to know them, but I'm not quite sure where you just have to look at the, tour dates but come come check me out i'll be playing a new character playing lead guitar for my favorite band and and then uh, squid pisser this hasn't been announced yet i don't know if i'm supposed to say anything but i think we're going to be doing some dates with necro maybe in may and we have three dates with melt banana in june or july or something i, I think june and then we have some uh, Europe dates. Uh, in August 15th and 17th, we're in like the Netherlands and London, and perhaps setting up some more things around that. And cancer Christ is playing March 2nd at first street billiards in Los Angeles. And I think March 23rd at poor kids mansion with a band called cunts. And um, those shows are going to be really great. I'm not going to be there for them, but if you're in LA, you should go to those. They're going to be insane and i think that's everything i can think of right now but just go check stuff out and and come out to a show
0: very cool you've been very generous with your time but is there anything else you want to say
1: no you've been generous and thanks so much for having me blab on this whole time and it's been fun getting to chat about all this stuff i really appreciate it
0: likewise thanks tommy